The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome to our fourth day of discussing the ten paramis, often called the ten perfections, though I don't know if that's quite the meaning of the Pali, parami. It it might mean more the five things which are ultimate, or five things that lead to uh, what is ultimate, what what is of ultimate value. And to hold these ten qualities of high value even as forms of wealth uh, and see them as the greatest wealth and that they reside within us. They can be invested in and developed and grown within us and that they can become stable within us. They're portable and we carry this wealth with with us wherever we go. And the fourth of these uh, paramis is wisdom, panya, and uh, panya, and it's uh, uh, translated into English many different ways. The most common is wisdom, which is a rich word in English in the sense that you know, it's, I think it has wonderful connotations and associations. And uh, the other ways that uh, it's been translated sometimes is one way is as insight. I sometimes like the word insight as a translation for panya because the deepest panya of the tradition it comes out of a direct perception of present moment experience. It arises uh, in the seeing, in the experience, as opposed to being portable, uh, portable in the sense of knowledge that you've acquired and then just you have the knowledge and you apply it. It's a rediscovery, it's the ability to rediscover what is true moment by moment with, uh, so I think of it as insight um, another translation that has a similar connotation is discernment. And discernment is something that only exists in the process of discerning, of seeing and understanding and distinguishing and being wise about what's going on. And um, so whether it's wisdom or insight or discernment, the dictionary has other things uh, like knowledge and clear understanding and all kinds of words like that but to understand it as being something which is immediate. Uh, it's not like reading a book and then now you have Buddhist wisdom because you've memorized the Four Noble Truths. It's certainly valuable to do that. But uh, to, to develop ourselves, to see for ourselves in direct experience what is beneficial and what is not. I like the, uh, the adjective wise almost more than the noun wisdom. And um, the Buddha just defines a wise person as someone who is uh, concerned with the welfare of self, welfare of others, welfare of self and others, and welfare for the whole world. All about welfare. And uh, he also says a wise person does not consider or concerned with uh, the harm of self, the harm of others, the harm of self or others, or the harm of the whole world. So this idea of uh, that the, what makes a person wise uh, is not a lot of learning and not a lot of sophisticated uh, knowledge or understanding of this cosmos, this world that we live in. It's not like sophistication. Uh, it's something that's pretty basic, 
that maybe takes a while and to understand is constantly d- discovered. But what is it that's beneficial? What's, what brings welfare? And what is harm? What's harmful? And someone who really understands that is considered a wise person. So that one of the great Buddhist questions is the question we can ask ourselves for practitioners, uh, is it wise? Is what I'm doing wise? What I'm saying, what I'm going to do with my body, my activity, uh, even what I think about, is it wise to be engaged in this? So what's the basis of wisdom, that kind of wisdom knowing what's beneficial? This is where uh, it's uh, uh, good to appreciate that wisdom arises a fourth in this list of this journey through the paramis. Because at, uh, by, the, by the first three, provide the information that begins telling us, showing us where benefit is, where welfare begins to reside. So generosity, the first one, uh, is not meant to be obligatory. It's meant to be uh, voluntary, coming out of a, a spirit or an attitude of generosity. And to do it well is to also appreciate the joy, the delight, the satisfaction, the goodness, the, the, how it kind of support, supports us to be generous. And it's a little bit of a, you know, I don't know if it's an ironic or par- paradox, that if you do generosity selfishly only so you can benefit from the joy and the delight from it, then it's also not generosity. So there has to be a kind of a certain degree of selflessness, certain degree of non-selfishness to be genuinely generous. But in doing that, we also benefit. And to feel how it opens us and delights us and provides satisfaction begins providing an inner reference point of inner well-being. The uh, ethical conduct, the second one, uh, virtuous conduct, the practices of restraint, it takes a lot of work sometimes to restrain ourselves from some of the unethical things or harmful things we, we want to say or do um, in certain areas of our life. The, um, um, but to restrain in a healthy way, in a beneficial way, what's the wise way of having um, virtuous conduct? What's the way to do virtuous conduct so that there's a, the bliss of blamelessness, the joy, the satisfaction of well-being? And can we avail ourselves of that? Can we allow ourselves to feel um, the goodness or the value or the, the whole wholeness that comes from virtuous conduct? Some people um, will be virtuous, live a good life and not harming others, but there's a, not a, any kind of tendency, it's actually a, maybe even a kind of resistance to allow oneself to feel the goodness of that. In Buddhism, the idea is to not just do ethical conduct, virtuous conduct, for its own sake, or just restrain ourselves and just be kind of kind of rigid in it, but it's really done to open, to allow something to bubble up, something uh, marvelous inside of us, a joy, a happiness, a freedom, an ease, an easeful way of being in the world because we're living without harming anyone. And then renunciation is uh, not meant to be also a burden or something restrictive or something that diminishes ourselves. The idea of renunciation is the movement of letting go, of clinging, of holding on to things so that something within us 
can bubble up that's good. Some, there's space inside for the contemplative life. There's space inside for compassion, for awareness and mindfulness. There's space inside for wisdom to operate. Space inside to feel, begin feeling that we don't just let go of things, we let go into some beginning of uh, uh, goodness, goodness uh, or wholeness or inner welfare or lightness or easefulness or peace, whatever we might want to be. But we start, renunciation gives, is not just a, a, you know, letting go of something and being, you know, just going on. But it's, it's letting go so that we know that something inside that's good has a chance to arise. So in all these three steps, we're beginning to f- feel and experience within ourselves something that is, is healthy, something that's a form of welfare, inner welfare. And this growing, developing of, a, of sensibility, sensitivity to what is inner welfare that becomes stronger and stronger and stronger than some of the beliefs and thoughts we have that might be self-critical, that might be other critical, blaming others, uh, that have philosophies and beliefs that are operating that are actually oppressive or diminishing or harmful even, that not really, doesn't really make space and room uh, for the amazing potential we have for, um, and I'm quoting from, in English, the three words the Buddha used sometimes together, thriving, maturing, and growth. So what allows for inner growth, inner thriving, imagine that, and inner growth, and um, inner maturation, a ripening. And so the first three gives us this reference point for welfare, for what is good, what is helpful, beneficial. And that is the material that uh, allows this wisdom to arise. The more we understand what's beneficial, the more we can understand what is harmful. What, is the, what does diminish us, what restricts us, what um, uh, uh, goes in the opposite direction of thriving. Rather than being nourishing, it denourishes us. And so we start having an experiential reference point for what's beneficial and what's not. And so the first three paramis set the ground for that. And so when we get to the fourth parami, we can ask ourselves, what is wise? We don't have to run to the books to understand what that is, but rather we, um, we, have, we run to our heart. We find it inside ourselves and we can uh, see what that reference point is. And, um, and, uh, and then there's, of, of course, with these paramis, often a, a reciprocal relationship with those that are paired together. So with uh, renunciation and wisdom paired together, um, the more wise we are about what's beneficial, the more the renunciation uh, can be beneficial. Um, I think that often we don't think of renunciation in terms of what it's beneficial, but that's really the spirit, the way in which we're looking for that in Buddhism. And so the more we understand what's, um, the more healthy renunciation we do, the greater reference point we have for ask the question, what is beneficial? And then when it's appropriate, we see where greater renunciation can happen and letting go, which if it's done well and healthily, gives us a greater even reference point for inner health and 
nourishment and thriving. And so, uh, so, um, um, so wisdom, cultivating, so we ask ourselves the question, what is wise? And you might, if you're interested, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly encouraging you for each of these um, days, 24 hours after I've introduced a parami, to try to live with it and think about it, reflect on it, talk to friends about it, read about it, listen to Dharma talks about it. So you might do that today with wisdom. Reflect on wisdom, consider what wisdom is. Maybe read about it or whatever. And see if you can distinguish between ideas about what is wise that are a little bit more conceptual and removed and ideas of wisdom that really point you back, clearly back, to what you can experience for yourself. And in these next 24 hours, why don't you really uh, uh, delve deeply into yourself, uh, maybe through your memory of your past, what you've learned. What have you learned within yourself that's experiential, that's a living, lived experience that you can sense and feel, that is a reference point for answering the question, what is wise? What is wisdom for you? So, um, my wise friends, I hope you have uh, a fun time, an enjoyable time, uh, reflecting on this wisdom parami. Uh, the parami of wisdom is meant to support your capacity for compassion and your capacity for liberation. That's what makes each of these paramis a parami. So you, how is it wisdom supports these hugely beneficial, nourishing things? Compassion and liberation. Great. Thank you.